Welcome to Climate Frontlines, the podcast exploring the people and places on the front lines of the climate crisis. My name is Mike Ludwig. I'm a reporter for truthout.org. President-elect Joe Biden announced this week that former Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Gina McCarthy will serve as his top climate advisor. Reactions from environmentalists have been mixed, to say the least. On one hand, McCarthy was the EPA administrator during the Obama administration, when regulators attempted to put caps on the energy sector's greenhouse gas emissions for the first time. Of course, the Trump administration crushed all these efforts and then some. And on the other hand, McCarthy was EPA administrator during the Obama administration, when the word fracking became a household term. For years, fracking opponents accused the EPA under Obama and McCarthy of suppressing research showing that fracking for oil and gas is a threat to drinking water. Still, fracking caused an explosion of fossil fuel production across the U.S., and Canada was pushing to export more oil and gas at the same time. All of these fossil fuels needed places to go and ways to get there, and suddenly fights against new oil and gas pipelines erupted across the nation. The Keystone XL pipeline, for example, became a political hot potato under President Obama as tribal governments and environmental activists launched fierce campaigns against the project. During the last days of the Obama administration, law enforcement moved to crush the uprising at Standing Rock, where the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and other indigenous-led activists resisted the Dakota Access Pipeline for months and drew international attention to the legacy of colonialism in the Americas. Activists continue to take direct action to stop oil and gas pipelines under President Trump, who made it clear that the fossil fuel industry had a friend in the White House. Those days are coming to an end, but campaigns to prevent the industry from establishing new infrastructure and locking in decades of fossil fuel production will continue under President Biden. Like other struggles on the front lines of climate change, many of these campaigns are led by indigenous activists. One such campaign can be found in northern Michigan, where the Canadian firm Enbridge wants to extend the life of Line 5, two underwater oil and gas pipelines that have operated for decades in the Straits of Mackinac, the narrow body of water between Michigan's lower and upper peninsulas. In 2018, a ship's anchor struck Line 5, causing damage and alarming the public. Line 5 runs under what is essentially headwaters from much of the Great Lakes. An oil spill in this region could spell disaster for ecosystems and fresh water supplies. Enbridge wants to build a quote-unquote tunnel over Line 5 so the pipelines can continue operating for years to come, but the company is facing opposition from a coalition of tribal governments, along with Michigan's Democratic governor, Gretchen Whitmer. To learn more, I spoke with Whitney Gravel, an attorney for the Bay Mills Indian community, a northern Michigan tribe that has fished the waters flowing above Line 5 for generations. So Bay Mills Indian community is a federally recognized uh, Indian tribe located in the upper peninsula of Michigan. So we're in the northernmost part of the state, um, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, closer to Canada than the rest of the state. But we have been here uh, since time immemorial. So this is where the Aboriginal people of Bay Mills Indian community, Ojibwe, Anishinaabe, have always resided and lived and been a part of the environment and culture here within the state of Michigan. Can you give us a little bit of background on the Enbridge Line 5, um, how much construction has been completed, maybe where you all are at in the permitting process? Yeah, so Enbridge Line 5, the dual pipelines that run beneath the Straits of Mackinac, 
have actually been in existence since 1953. That is when Enbridge first sought an easement from the state of Michigan and actually placed the pipelines into the water. Since then, in early 2018, there was actually an anchor strike that struck the pipelines and caused some severe damage. And that was the first time that the tribes or the public in the state of Michigan were actually made aware of the pipelines. So they had been around you know, for almost 60 years, and all of a sudden, everyone was made aware of what was actually going on beneath the water, uh, which was really surprising, not only to the tribe, but to the public. And then it started raising all of these concerns of why did we have an oil and natural gas pipeline running through the Straits of Mackinac, running through the Great Lakes, which is the largest freshwater body in the world, and a critical part of not only the environment of the state of Michigan, but also our economy up here. Right. And I was watching the video you sent me that fishing is uh, a big part of the economy where where you live or for your community. Yes, that is correct. So Bay Mills is actually a signatory of the 1836 Treaty of Washington. And in that treaty, there were five different tribes, Bay Mills included, that ceded 14 million acres to the United States government for the creation of the state of Michigan. If we had not signed that treaty back in 1836, uh, the state of Michigan would not have uh, become part of the union, essentially, during that time. What we did when we signed the Treaty of Washington, however, is we reserved rights on reservation and off reservation to fish, hunt, and gather throughout the ceded territory, which is essentially that 14 million acres That 14 million acres also includes the waters of the Great Lakes. And in reserving the the right to fish in the Great Lakes, what our ancestors were doing was actually preserving a way of life for our people. That is something that we have always done commercially as well as subsistently in order to provide and feed our community. And you mentioned earlier other pipelines. Um, Have you drawn inspiration or... uh maybe some tactical knowledge just from seeing other indigenous-led fights against pipelines in in the U.S.? Absolutely. Um, You know, the most, the largest example that comes to mind was the No Dapple fight that took place in the Dakotas against that pipeline. That was the first time that the, the indigenous community had come together and rallied around one another in order to stop a pipeline. And There were a lot of atrocities that occurred in the No Dapple protests, but they ultimately succeeded. Now, that pipeline is still uh, in litigation uh, over there in the Dakotas. They're still figuring out those issues, but the strength that those indigenous communities found amongst each other. We also had citizens from Bay Mills Indian community that went out to the Dakotas to support them. We had donations coming from our own tribal community it made us realize that if we could draw upon the same strength that we might be able to then get line five, the dual pipelines out of the Straits of Mackinac. And they're, they're, Enbridge is trying to extend these lines, right? That is what you're fighting right now? Yeah. So originally, this has actually been a really rapid and moving process here in the state of Michigan. But originally in 2018, when those anchor strikes had occurred, that as I mentioned, brought awareness to the general public and the state of Michigan of the dangers of these pipelines. Uh, What Enbridge started doing then was coming up with other alternatives in a way to keep the pipeline going underneath the Straits of Mackinac. And what Bay Mills Indian community is actively fighting right now is a proposed tunnel project uh, 
So essentially, Enbridge wants to build a tunnel beneath the Straits of Mackinac that would then house these dual pipelines, still keeping them, you know, underneath the water, underneath the soil, but endangering our Great Lakes. Right. And as um, and as a community, I imagine there isn't just this sense of you you want to preserve and protect the water for fishing and uh, for the area that you live, but you're also fighting to protect the entire Great Lakes system, really, that that flows from that area and also the climate. Absolutely. You know, you hear the term often that tribal communities are often the first stewards of the environment, the first stewards of the land. And that is an obligation and a duty that our communities and the different indigenous populations take very seriously. We actually have a teaching amongst our people It's called the seven generations teaching. But what it asks you to do is to look seven generations into the future for every action that you take. So whether it be a pipeline or driving a car, you know, or constructing something or polluting or recycling, you are supposed to examine that decision that you do and determine how are the actions that I am taking today having an impact on my children's children and their children, seven generations into the future. And that teaching is so ingrained into our society that what it really has us do and requires of us is to reflect upon the impacts that we are doing towards the future, which is a direct correlation to climate change, you know, to global warming, uh, to being a steward for the environment. What are we doing today that will provide the most sustainable future for our children? And where are we with the fight? I know that Enbridge filed a lawsuit recently. I think it was against Governor Whitmer, correct, for um, attempting to block the pipeline. And then there's also some permits that are in the air. Yeah. So most recently, just a few weeks ago, Governor Whitmer actually revoked the easement for the dual pipelines in the Straits of Mackinac. First, the governor um, and the attorney general filed litigation on the easements in state court, state of Michigan court. And then Enbridge responded by filing an action in federal court, essentially stating that the governor has no right to revoke the easement and that federal regulations over pipelines actually preempt any state law that may apply in terms of easement or regulation of water and lands. Uh, Dual and running along that, there's actually a litigation taking place before the Michigan Public Service Commission, which Bay Mills is directly involved in. And the Michigan Public Service Commission is the governing body that will decide whether or not Enbridge can move the dual pipelines in the Straits of Mackinac into the tunnel. Also running adjacent to that is there are two permits that are going before EGLE, which is a state regulatory agency in Michigan, and also the United States Army Corps of Engineers uh, to actually build and construct the tunnel. So first, Enbridge must Uh, receive permission from the Michigan Public Service Commission to place the pipelines into the tunnel. And then they also need two permits approved by both the Army Corps and Eagle in order to build the tunnel. And so, and those permits are, um, the decisions on those are going to be made next month, I read. Is that correct? So you're kind of like, this is a crucial time for your campaign. 
Yes, um, Eagle, the Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy Division actually extended the deadline until January 2021, and then the Army Corps is also evaluating that permit. Their process is a little bit longer, but they typically run very parallel to one another. So once we just see a decision from the Eagle State side, we will also see a decision come from the Army Corps as well. One thing we've seen internationally in the past few years is climate negotiators at the United Nations and other intergovernmental organizations that are working on climate have come to recognize the leadership that indigenous people have in in the movement for climate justice and also in the effort to just preserve the planet, um, that indigenous knowledge, not just the United States, but across the world can be a guiding force in determining how to preserve land, to manage forests, to create carbon sinks, um, to do these things that can help us mitigate at least some of the impacts of climate change. Do you feel like when you're, when you're opposing this pipeline that, that does have climate implications, that you are part of uh, a bigger movement and international recognition of the, I guess, indigenous knowledge about land and about the areas that need to be preserved? Not at this moment in time. And I think that is because our focus is so narrowed and lasered in on the issues that we're confronting here on the ground in the state of Michigan. Um, But definitely the inspiration that we have seen from other indigenous communities, not only within the United States, but around the globe, have lent us strength in in the battles that we are engaging here on the front lines. We learn from their mistakes. We learn from their achievements. We learn from them as communities and how they engage their state or federal regulatory agencies. And we try to apply that here because I think as a people and looking at the teachings from indigenous communities, we're all aligned that we're here, uh, again, you know, reflecting upon that seven generation principle to continue to provide for our communities who have been on this land since the beginning of time. Thanks for listening to Climate Frontlines. If you've enjoyed this podcast, give us a like and a share. You can also sign up for our free daily email newsletter at truthout.org. Stay safe out there, friends.